Hello and welcome to a new podcast from Arthur D. Little called The Media Beat with Maureen and Claire. Maureen Kerr is a partner with Arthur D. Little and she leads the media practice out of the London office. And she's an expert in helping organisations develop their media strategies, business models, and also she advises private equity firms on where to invest their money. Claire Tavernier is a well-known analyst and commentator on the media industry, but has also worked practically with startups, medium-sized enterprises and large firms as they develop their media strategies. Uh, Full disclosure, uh, Claire and Maureen have known each other for many years, possibly many decades, and although they agree on many subjects, sometimes they have a different opinion based on their experience and how they see the world of media. So I'm expecting a lively and interesting debate. My name is Oliver Turnbull. I'm going to be your host, and it's my great pleasure to introduce Maureen and Claire. Thank you, Oliver. And thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it is. I'm really looking forward to learning a few things from you guys and having a, uh, an interesting and vibrant conversation because I know that, that uh, both of you have decades of experience and sometimes you agree on things, sometimes you don't agree on things and that's what I'm very much looking forward to um, uh, refereeing today, although obviously we're not in the same place so it can't get it can't get physical. Um, we've got a few things to talk about today and I think th- the first thing that we can't really avoid is this Elon Musk character. Uh, and he's now dipping his toe into your world. Um, I guess that raises a lot of questions about his recent successful purchase of Twitter, uh, not least of which, um, whether it's better to be a public or a private enterprise. Maureen, um, I'll I'll turn to you first. What are your initial thoughts on, on this strange occurrence? It's like Elon Musk is just a character that you love to have around because he's always doing unpredictable things, and this is one of them. But how do you feel about this being a, a, a private rather than a public enterprise? Well, I just wonder, as he somewhat extended a number of hours in a day, maybe we're going to have like a 28, 28 hour day because he's already running four or five different companies. We've got Neuralink, we've got SpaceX, we've got, you know, uh, uh, Tesla, uh, uh, we've got the Boring Group. Uh, which is not indeed boring with Elon Musk around. Um, um, and by the way, I think that's a tunneling company probably somewhere in South Africa, if I'm correct. Um, uh, well, wow, though, you know, uh, my view is someone ought to go in and do something about Twitter. And and if there's a man that probably can do it and do it behind this sort of private uh, enterprise, uh, then it's Elon. Elon with probably a veteran from the industry, and I'm sure... All of them, all those veterans are sort of, you know, dialing his number or certainly tweeting him now saying, Giss a job, Giss a job, Elon. Uh, but yeah, now I think um, certainly share performance over the last four or five years, not being sterling, especially in a market environment where, you know, we're seeing triple, uh, quadruple uh, share prices. So I think the shareholders over the two week period clearly did look at their fiduciary duties and thought, yeah, 58% premium on the share price. We can't say no. So, uh, you know, um, let's see. I think maybe management are probably slightly concerned because he's told them on Twitter that they're all doing a poor job. So uh, so he's going to have to do a bit of massaging of egos or indeed, as I said earlier, probably, you know, get someone uh, in from the industry to, to help run it. But, yeah, an interesting move, a good move. Um Love to see his plan, uh, strategic plan, 
the plan at the moment is no plan. The plan is just simply freedom of speech that might actually mean freedom of misinformation. I hope not, though. Yeah, it's, you, no, thank you. It's, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, although we all sort of like him, he's a bit of a lovable eccentric and a sort of kind of crazy guy. And we think, oh, it'll be safe in his hands because he, he's in favour of free speech. Is he, though? And how much do you know about him? And, and, and would it be better uh, to be, it's such a powerful thing, such a powerful tool that everybody uses now. Is it really safe in private hands? Claire, Claire what's your what's your take? I, I'm not that positive about this move from a, certainly not from a free speech point of view. I think uh, we're, and, but also not necessarily from a, it's going to bring Twitter to profitability point of view, because first of all, I'd, I haven't yet seen any sign that that's a possibility. And secondly, I'm not sure Elon has that good of a track record of creating profits. Uh, he, I think what this is, outlining and highlighting once again is the issue with global public spaces with no regulation and it is very difficult because how do you regulate a global public uh, space but equally you know free speech in the press in developed countries or developed is the wrong word in certainly in the western media free speech is is goes hand-to-hand -hand with a number of uh, safeguards that allow for facts to be checked, for sources to be protected, for the name of innocent people not to be broadcast, etc. There is free speech in our countries, thankfully, but it is free speech that is regulated also, thankfully, as it always was. Free speech was always regulated. There have always been rules around you know, libel and defamation, etc., the problem with Twitter and to Facebook and with Facebook, but at the moment mostly with Twitter, is is the lack of of regulation. I don't think having Twitter entirely into private hands, with not even the oversight of the stock market, is going to help it uh, be accountable for what's on the platform. So I'm not, I'm concerned. It's a funny thing, isn't it? So presumably, um, Twitter has to comply with the regulations of the particular jurisdiction that the tweet is made. I don't know. Uh, or, or are the um, conditions that Twitter places on itself, because people get banned if they say things that are defamatory, or they say things that are virtually racist, or they say things that are, are wrong, or the algorithm in Twitter says they're wrong. Um, who makes the rules? Uh, how, how, I know Twitter has their own rules, but how accountable are they to, to, to higher level government um, policy and uh, legislation? There is very, very little accountability. The people tweeting may face criminal charges in the countries where they're tweeting. And in fact, in the UK, there have been cases against people who have, for instance, tweeted the name of suspects in murder cases and that sort of thing. But Twitter itself is not accountable. There is a really interesting article in The Atlantic that came out, I think, either today or yesterday, that um, outlines the efforts that Twitter has made since 2015 to try to moderate some of its content. And it's it's not always succeeded, it's, it's improved what it has, but it's been a very, very difficult endeavor, partly because they don't, partly because of the volume, partly because algorithms can't actually deal with, you know, the different ways that content might be offensive, and partly because sometimes the person tweeting them is the president of the United States, and that makes things even more complicated. Hmm. It's strange, isn't it, Maureen? What's, what's the, um, the end game? Is, is, would public ownership 
help that in any way? Or is it simply a case of there's this gigantic wall out there in digital hyperspace that people can spray on with spray cans, whatever they want? So, so, so um, I'm in this instance, um, I'm, I'm probably a proponent of it being taken private only because, only because um, of the vagaries of quarterly results. Um, that that's all. And this, I, I'll get back to the sort of freedom of speech point in a minute, but uh, only because um, I think it needs a bit of a runway to figure out its position in the market because it's a powerful tool. It is an extraordinary platform. I mean, it saved people's lives. It's, you know, sprung the Arab Spring. It saved Bill Powder's life when Putin was chasing after him through Interpol, you know, and arrested him at the Madrid Hotel. And all he had to do was simply tweet under the instruction of his wife, his Russian wife, to say, say, hey, I'm being taken down to the to local police station please someone come and find me. And of course, then the world descended upon uh, Madrid and uh, and he was released. So I think it has, you know, a role in society and I think it has a role to play. I think the monetization, back to the profitability point, the monetization um, aspect, so the profitability, the making money from this brings accountability as well. Um, and, and, and I think giving it that private route and runway to do so, I think is a healthy one. Now, you've got to put the right management in place. Um, now, is this about subscription model? Is this about, you know, a hybrid model? I mean, let, let, let the team figure it out and let the business plan and the economics of, of its markets sort that out. But back to the sort of, you know, the, 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 the freedom of, of speech aspect, which is critical too. And, and Claire, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it has been regulated in the past um, in, a, in a light touch way. And we all are pretty... Uh, ethical or we're pretty uh, rational and there are certainly rules of law in each of those markets that make it either criminal or not criminal to say de facto you know to 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 to, to, to say naughty things about another person or another thing so i think the eu regulations that are, are now uh, um i frankly think probably have got some teeth uh, uh that are coming into force now um i think that might actually help uh, and and they will be subject to that. Even though they are not listed, they are still a powerful uh, organisation. They will be accountable under those directives. And I think the European Union have, you know, been vanguard in that in that route to, to in order, you know, to, to basically bring the big tech to accountability. So not saying that's the panacea, because it's not, but I think it's a good step. Is this the, uh, the so-called Digital Services Act? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's interesting, though, you say in the private sector is a good place for tools of this power to sit due to the quarterly results. In other words, there's an accountability there, uh, I think is what you're saying. But isn't that just an accountability to make sure that the company makes money as opposed to whether the company maintains its moral compass? Um, or well, I, I don't think point? it even has that accountability because Elon doesn't need the money. He could decide, to, you know, he could decide to run Twitter at a loss for the next hundred years if he, you know, if he chooses to do so. So, in, so I, yeah, I see Claire, what you mean. Needs, I, yeah, yeah, Claire, sorry, he does need the money now. It's a leverage buyout. That's Can you imagine the, yeah. the the interest rates are at the highest uh, uh, that we've seen for quite a few years? And and he has he's not using his own money he's using, using part, half of his part, own money yeah 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 he's, he's yeah. he's basically leveraging he's basically 
collateralizing through mm-hmm. his own shares uh, in Tesla. And I did see, actually, I think, and it needs to be verified, but I think he's also raised some capital through the Boring Group as well. Uh, so he's raising capital, looking at his collateral. But a significant proportion are the lenders. And the lenders have pro- and probably will have put on a p- a, uh, interest rates, which are current interest rates on those loans. So that business needs to generate cash in order to pay the interest charge. Otherwise, it would go bankrupt. And he's not going to want a publicly... Uh, uh, a public sort of administration process, uh, having made so much noise. Um, so no, it does need to make money. But yeah, back to your point, Oliver, the the moral compass versus you know ability to make profits. I think I think I think I think I think uh, uh, even if it's in private hands, it, you know, people can walk away from it, and people can boycott it, and people don't necessarily have to pay for it. So it will be out there still trying to, you know, position itself versus the other companies and social platforms for advertising money or for subscription. So if people don't like it and it is becoming abusive and no one's there to protect it, i.e. the public money, public money being the listed stock market money, which all the analysts were pouring in. Sorry, not the analysts, but the uh, financial institutions were keeping it afloat. If no one else can do that, then it will need to figure out what the moral compass is, because I think people will walk with their feet and people will not pay for the service. People will not buy the product and people will not advertise. So I think there is an element of accountability that you have to justify, you know, the means at which you can operate in the markets. The the corrective nature of the capitalist system, in a sense, uh, market forces and people walking. Actually, that's an interesting thing. It takes us to another subject, actually, thinking about it in terms of people uh, voting with their feet and people not being prepared to pay for a service that is is the fees for which are voted. And it brings us to Netflix quite neatly uh, and their Q1 results and the First time, as I understand it, that subscriptions have actually gone down. I've done an audit of my televisual expenditure in my house, uh, and I subscribe for various reasons, due to various family mem- members, to almost everything. So I need to watch the Premiership. We've got Disney Plus. We've got Apple. We've got Netflix. We've got uh, Prime. Um, we've got Sky. So um, this is a, a subject very close to my heart. Is there some kind of turning point now with uh, Netflix, which has been the poster child for streaming for well, so many years now, or so many years in the in the sort of digital <laughs> in the digital t- time scale? Uh, now that they're starting to um, to to struggle, um, Claire, I, I guess I, I, I turn. That question to you first: Is it a is it just a blip, or is this a sign of something significant happening? The fact that people are turning away from Netflix and not seeing it as value for money. Well, I think I think it was always going to happen. I think Netflix is a, is another one in this long list of media new media companies that have sold to the market the dream of eternal growth. Uh, which means that there is no need for profit because we keep growing. And they must have known it was, you know, they must have seen the slowdown for a while and they must have cleverly hidden it because that's what you do. But, you know, that doesn't work because there's a limited amount of number of people in the world. I, I don't think people expected it to fall, but certainly the slowing growth of Netflix subscribers is not news, has been in the, in the, in the, in the game for a while now, in the cards for a while now. I think the question is, 
does that mean they're going to stop their insane investment in content? And I say insane. I think this year they're planning to spend, I think it's 17 or 18 billion dollars in content. I mean, it's just, and you know, the, the interesting is, thing is, it's not necessarily good content either. They've just gone to a point where it's really unsustainable and certainly not. There's no path to profitability. So yes, they're talking about uh, cracking down on shared passwords and that will be fine. And there may be, you know, 20% growth in the cracking down on shared password, but they'll also lose some people then uh, automatically. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily a win-win. Uh, I think they're going to have to review their business model. I mean, I actually, to be honest, I think they're going to have to find a business model. And it's interesting that they're moving towards ads when Twitter is moving towards subscription because legacy media has been thinking about, you know, hybrid models forever. Everything is always hybrid in media. There's always advertising. Well, in most media, there's advertising and, and consumer spend. And so it's interesting to see that New Year is discovering this, this reality. It's strange, really. I always thought I'm a, a as a digital person. I always thought you'd pay for the number of gigabytes you consumed, and you choose what gigabytes. I, this subscription thing has came as a horrible shock, and it's a it's a very easy way to um, get rid of money. You even have to buy certain sporting events, even if you subscribe. It's absolutely crazy. Maureen, what's your take uh, on on Netflix's? Uh, it's a fundamental shift, a business model rethink. Is the whole industry changing? Is subscription dying? Um, what's your view? Well, I went public on this last week. I think I dropped. I dropped a. <laughs> I dropped a, a lovely chart that I I picked up from one of my favourite uh, commentators, uh, an economist called John Alther. Uh, he writes for Bloomberg, and his opinion uh, pieces are fantastic. So I, I I did. I was edged, or egged on, let's say, you know, by him. So I stole his chart that did show the share price dip, uh, and remarkably, you know, thirty five percent drop in share for what I saw as only, only 200,000, 200,000 subscribers had dropped. That's 0.09%. I mean, there's a mismatch. There's an imbalance. Exactly. There's an, there's an imbalance. And exactly what Claire just said, actually, which was uh, it was all about Netflix and the social media companies and the new streamers and the new commissioners the markets, the Wall Street, the uh, the FTSE 100, they all factor in the future aspirations, the future profit profits, the promise of perpetual growth, which you know it <laughs> doesn't exist. And and yes, we all knew this was going to come. Uh, and if anyone knew this was going to come, it, it was Netflix itself, because Netflix hit the wall with its US subscriptions back you know ten years ago. Uh, it's the reason why Netflix went overseas, and the reason that Netflix continued as a you know as a company of interest was because it was able to get you know relatively cheap content and go into different markets with not great library of of content, but it got subscribers you know you know wrapped around one big show you know it hit the UK with House of Cards and we all flocked to it you know and and it and it had the same model going out into all the other markets so. It, no, it's not a surprise. It's happened before. We all know there, there, that there aren't, you know, that number of people on Earth and the population growth isn't that significant. And plus also there's competition. So it's so a Netflix, yeah, by far is probably, you know, that, that, that entertainment uh, um, platform that we all love and want and keep. And even though we're culling, 
our subscriptions, we're not culling either Netflix or Amazon, probably. Uh, and those two are probably going to stay, you know, and Disney or Disney, Disney Plus. Um, so, so, so I think it, 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 in, in, in my view, yeah, I think this is an inflection point. Uh, I think the competition is fierce. I think the stock market uh, forgot that, uh, you know, there are four major players and the fangs are all going to be dominant and frankly, the law of economics says that only one of them can be dominant, you know, and one of them can win. And if they're all betting on all four, three of them are going to lose. So, so, uh, so, 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 yeah, I think it's a healthy check uh, uh, for, you know, a consideration for a different, a different, a different model, a different business model, a different approach. So, yeah, they'll, they'll continue to they'll continue to 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 to, to drop and drive down, uh, but they will, even though they said never, never. They'll never do ads and advertising. Of course, never and never's come about that they will do. Uh, they will do um, uh, uh, ads and they will follow a similar sort of hybrid approach. Um, in, in, in my view, which I I, I think I, I'm very much uh, aligned with, uh, with with what Claire's what Claire's been saying. I think the compet the competitive environment is is very very tight. I would though say that. I think, and I'd love, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do, say, on the gaming side, um, uh, cleverly and innovatively. Uh, I thought they would go after sports, and they haven't. And instead, I think that 18 billion, you know, clearly will need to be looked at quite carefully because, you know, they can't tolerate that dual impact of, you know, loss of subscriptions, although that's not too many, but they are envisaging... And with Russia as well, they've got a few million that they will they will lose over the course of next year. Um, uh, that the, the city, the analysts, they're not going to allow them to to keep spending. So someone will check that that eighteen billion probably will start to fall, or or they ought to be become a little bit more uh, discerning about how they spend uh, the 18, 18 billion because it's not reflected too much in the quality. <laughs> so so two things there. I think that they're going to start to do something interesting. And innovative in the kids or gaming space, they seem to be attacking that at a speed which was probably faster than they did at entering film. Um, so I think that'd be really interesting to 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 see. But they have to do something, yeah. So I I, I just had two points. First of all, they've just announced that they're well. A lot of the animation, the animated series people that they've hired extensively over the last two years have left or are being let go. So I'm not, I think mm -hmm. as much as they're still investing in animated features, I think they have slowed down a lot on the animated series front, which is interesting. And I don't know where, where that will end up. I think it's important to, rem to say though, that Netflix itself may not survive in its current form, or it may change, or it may downsize, or it may come out of a few markets, which wouldn't surprise me that it decides to exit a few of the big markets. But Netflix, the, the, what Netflix has brought in is a complete shift of the, um, of the value chain of television and films. And I think that's going to stay. So, you know, an, an industry that was entirely based on Windows, on international distribution, uh, on, you know, creating a series in one country and then selling it to as many countries as possible. And that's how you made money on, you know, ancillary rights has been entirely rewritten by Netflix alongside, along completely new rules where you do one show for one platform, it goes globally, you're paid once and you don't get to benefit from all of those international efforts. 
on the one on the one hand, on the other hand, you don't have to have an international distribution team, so it's costing you less money. It's a completely different value chain, and that's now being replicated by Apple, by Disney, and by some of the low, more regional players. And I think it will it will it is it has affected the industry enormously, and that that impact is going to stay whatever happens to Netflix. What I could never understand is my rather naive business model, which says you just have a broker. You have a broker who can make deals with these platforms for content. And then I just go to my broker and say, I want to watch uh, Game of Thrones, God forbid. Um, or, you know, I want to watch Ted Lasso or whatever. You broker the deals and I'll pay for the gigabytes I watch. Clearly that doesn't work because it would have happened by now. But what, what's my flaw? No, it doesn't work. And that's, a pay, that's the pay-per-view model. It, it exists. You can buy it. Individually. I suppose, yeah. Uh, oh, right. in that case, Sky, Sky is an aggregator. Yeah. Sky is a perfect example as an aggregator, which is your, I think, Oliver, what you're referring to, or it's analogous to, because they are is, the yeah. you know, intermediary. They're intermediate. They aggregate. They're, they're, they're agnostic to any of the uh, content owners, and they just want to be on as many platforms, including their own, and take content from everywhere. So, mm. uh, but that that's not, you know, that there is there is aggregators there there is aggregation there is but it's still go it's not answering and addressing your fantastic point which is let's pay for gig, gigabytes yeah. or you'll be, te- you'll be telling us that we're not allowed to get onto the tube with a rucksack or we get on we get on by weight or we pay but per weight or something you know how many pairs of shoes have you got in that rucksack you know, that, you know, that for me, I'm at a, a whopping 104 kilograms so i'm not into that i'm one my unit of measure is humanity and i'm one human uh anyway i'll, I'll still pursue my my, my naive business like model it. a pound a gigabyte that means four pounds of film and uh it, you know i don't mind paying a little bit premium for a, a premiership match but uh, let's go um back to our old channel four um that we know and love collie it must be nearly 40 years um I, I'm, I'm sure that you can't either of you can remember uh channel four starting but i certainly can and it must be about 40 years now and, and we're now facing the specter we talked about privatization uh in the context of twitter and to a certain extent netflix as well what are your views um i'll start with claire what are your views on uh channel for private privatization i know it's maybe not 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 a um as, as, as a sacred jewel as it is for those um, people over here in the uk uh, but as news is these days, um, if you read the news, it's either the end of the world as we know it, or it's the best thing that's ever happened. I'm assuming that the reality is somewhere in the middle, but I'd love your views on that. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we were talking about Twitter, I took the sort of um, content side and said free speech, etc. In this case, I think people are playing up the content side a bit too much. Uh, and I don't want, I mean, I love Channel 4. I watch Channel 4. I think it's a fantastic channel. I think they've commissioned incredible content. But they're not propping up the UK production industry. If anybody's propping up the UK production industry, it's Netflix, to be honest, at the moment. It's not Channel 4. They have been wonderful. They are very creative. They have but they've all be, always been run as a commercial entity and they choose shows for their creative values, but also because they know people will watch them. Uh, so, you know, it would be slightly disingenuous to think that it is just this extreme 
it's not BBC Four. Let's put it that way. You know, it is. It is a commercial. It launched Big Brother in the UK. It's launched. It's it's bought Bake Off for goodness sake. You know, these aren't necessarily the 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 most extreme um, cultural creativity example. Although I am a big fan of both shows, I have some sympathy for the argument that Channel 4 should be privatized. I am annoyed that the way the government has announced it doesn't seem to use any of the arguments that I think might be valid. And instead, it seems to be just a way to make money. I think the, the arguments that are valid is that the UK TV advertising market is, is hugely concentrated and really is only in ITV's hands with a little bit to Sky. And yes, Channel 4 does carry advertising, but it hasn't set itself up as a powerful uh, home for advertising. And I think the power of the public service broadcasters in the UK is very, very large. You know, we have BBC One, Two, Three, Four. We then have Channel 4, we have E4, we have Film 4. All of these are is you know with various limit, limits and controls they're all in the government government sense there aren't many countries in the free world where this where this that's the case and i think channel 4 is a very well run enterprise that could survive extremely well and remain very creative if it was privatized yeah maureen i mean i know you you understand the limitations of capitalism but um uh, the advantages too what's your feeling i i concur with everything that that, that, that claire has said um I, i'm probably uh, <laughs> that's it's a, it's a first look uh, but uh, but i'm probably a more more of a proponent for now uh, in the last, say, uh, five, five, maybe in ten years, for for for, for privatization, uh, uh, and um, and the reason for that is that 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 I think I think um, Claire's absolutely right. It, it it has got a fantastic sort of position in the UK, uh, but it's limited to the UK, and it's got an excellent brand. It's got excellent sort of uh, creative. Uh, know-how juices people it just is a magnet for you know innovative tv and filmmaking um i think david a brown you know did a sterling job at setting up you know a, a, a the commercial enterprise uh, which is about the advertising and also he really did figure out the demographics and the audience that he was targeting so i think it needs to now go to a different stage and the stage is the international stage and it can't do that uh, where it stands now, but it can do that in private hands. Um, and 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 I I agree. I the, the way the way that it's uh, you know the way that it's been positioned, the way it fell into uh, you know a consultation uh, was a bit ham-fisted, and I think probably you know not the best way of doing it. It brought controversy instead of you know an opportunity to really look at a, a great asset a great business uh, in a great market, UK creative economy, uh, you know, and, 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 and it just was a bit of a sort of shambles, to be honest, to be frank. Um, and, 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 um, but, but that said, but that said, I think, I think, I think the government can set up a good sales process uh, that it needs clarity around the conditions. Um, and I think it needs to appreciate that, you know, it needs to get the value. It should get the value. It should have a price tag 
uh, that is representative. And at the moment, the way it talks about Channel 4, the way it's marketed Channel 4, it's doing itself a disservice because it's already shaved off, say, 40% of the value by talking about quotas and the UK independent sector. I'm all for the UK independent sector, but I think, again, Claire's right, that it's not uh, the legacy commissioners that have been uh, um, uh, keeping keeping <laughs> keeping that sector alive. It's 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 Disney. It's uh, it's uh, it's Netflix. It's Amazon. It's all the it's all the new commissioners that have been keeping it alive. So so let Channel Four out to play, and let us get as much money as we possibly can that represents the value of Channel Four. You know, and 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 I think let's do it prop. You know, pos- You know, well, basically, let's do it properly. Uh, because there are interested parties and the UK, even though Brexit aside, even though because um, we're still part of the European Council, uh, even though we're no longer viewed as the gateway to Europe, uh, uh, we are an excellent, um, an excellent uh, place for, you know, good infrastructure, you know, a, a good, 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 easy, good, easy access to, to you know, great creative people. Uh, and we're still a magnet for international creative people. So, you know, and there are ways of getting onto the continent through the European Council of Works and for production to be seen as European production uh, of works. So um, I think we should, yeah, I think we should just to get on with it. <laughs> get, on with yeah. it. get some money in the pocket and, uh, and, 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 and give it some freedom because I think it would do a sterling job internationally. Absolutely. So there are some caveats there for potential buyers. And you obviously advise large-scale investment companies where to place their bets. What will be the the advice you'd give in terms of things to look out for, if you like, buyer beware, uh, kind of, or, or with a with a, a Channel Four deal? You mentioned quotas earlier, but what would the yeah. advice you would you'd give a potential buyer who comes with their with their millions to, to snap up well, it's this sh- asset. It's, it's a shame, although maybe it's not too late, but it's a shame that the government hasn't asked me to help sell it because I would do a sterling job at selling yeah. it. I'm better yeah. off on the sales side. I'm so, you know, and I would definitely be able to provide a, an excellent valuation that is true and could stand up to scrutiny and diligence. Okay, now, to be on the buy side, <laughs> they've got a lot to deal with, you know, uh, and I would ensure that those conditions are, are put to one side. No, and I, and, and I think, I think, I think the, 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 the point that Claire's, Claire's making around um, this idea that it's propping up, you know, and helping and, you know, the independent sector, production sector, uh, and the various sort of quotas of you know twenty five percent plus or more, whatever. Uh, those are, uh, are are limitations and conditions uh, that in reality uh, may not necessarily exist. So I think I think I think a buyer should be wary of and consider those uh, and look you know quite carefully at that for you know to negotiate away. To be honest, um, because I think I think the independent production sector you know will survive, can survive, uh, and is surviving. Uh, you know, without those conditions and without those arbitrary um, uh, uh, lines uh, to, you know, to, to, to buy, buy quality programming. So, um, so yeah, from a, from a buyer's perspective, um, uh, I, I, I absolutely, uh, you know, look, look, at, look at the property situation, look at the regional um, uh, positioning, um, but, but, but more importantly, you know, look at the brand internationally. I mean, the first thing I would do is just, you just go to the US, you go to, you know, places on the continent, you go further afield and straight away they'll understand Film 4, Channel 4. Mm. What they've seen that the, you know, they've seen the product 
Um, and, and I think, you know, do not under, underestimate the value that one is going to get once that is free to exploit, once that is free to be able to make money from. Um, and that's yeah. what, again, the note to the government, you've got to, you've got to value this properly. You've got to position it properly and, and all the opportunities. So I'm sitting both on the sell side and buy side there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm almost, um, I'm almost, uh, 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 tempted to make an offer. It's funny, isn't it, about Channel 4, though? It's one of those things. It's a bit of a British institution. I remember when I was younger, when it when it came to, to, to something on Channel 4 was edgy, wasn't it? It was daring. It was um, almost naughty, if you like, in some cases. You had The Tube, I remember, uh, which was a daring, edgy music show, which was a beautiful counterpoint to Top of the Pops, which was safe, despite some of the presenters of Top of the Pops. Um, it was, you know, just concentrated on the top ten. You had the Tube, Jules Holland, uh, 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 you know, being a little bit dangerous, saying the F word and getting and getting um, and getting banned for that reason. It's a, it's a, always a. It was always a great promoter of music. And talking about music, another great link actually. Um, uh, there's, there's also this movement in the music business um claire i'd be interested to get your analysis on this uh you could describe it as like a money ball moment uh, maureen it's something that, that that you've you've said before and 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 the the catalog of music the back catalog of music the value the untapped value and i'm i've noticed my kids and their friends now they don't see they don't look necessarily at the charts for music they look at spotify and they go back to the 19 well certainly the 1960s if not the 1950s so they go back literally uh, 60 years looking for their music, but they don't care what decade it comes from. Uh, they'll be listening to ELO one minute, then Hendrix the next minute, the Kinks the next minute, then Prince, Springsteen, and then Ed Sheeran if they're if they're uh, uh, lacking in taste. No, I'm joking. Um, that, that, that's extremely exciting for someone like me. I've got teenage kids now who are just dipping into music from all different decades. My, my son is now much more of an expert on music than I am. Um, what, what's happening in that space? And what's, what's making the consumption and the, if you like, the monetization, the economization uh, of music? Um, what, what are the trends? What's happening? What, what is the moment that we're at at the moment, Claire? Yes, it's interesting. As I came in to uh, uh, record this podcast, I, my son was listening to Graceland, uh, in the kitchen. I was like, well, <laughs> okay, uh, good for you. Anyway, I, I think there are a couple of things that are happening in music, but they're, they're all driven by one thing, which is discovery. And, you know, this, a similar thing happened in, in, well, it's happening everywhere in media. The discovery of content has changed completely. We used to discover music, you'll remember this for those of us who have lived that long, either on the radio or on MTV, right? So we would sit there and we would be pushed new music and we would then discover new talent. Now, people still listen to radio, but they tend to be our age, young, you know, and uh, nobody watches MTV for the, media, for the videos anymore. So the, the, the discovery has shifted to online platforms, obviously um, Spotify, but not only, it also, uh, you know, TikTok has done a lot. TikTok has made Fleetwood Mac cool again, which is great. But, you know, so the, the discovery of, uh, of content has, be, has moved on to online platforms and that means content hierarchy has kind of disappeared. So we used to know that, you know, we'd, you'd, you'd, you'd listen to Magic if you wanted music from the 70s and 80s, and you'd listen to Capital if you wanted more recent music and that. But that doesn't happen on Spotify or on, uh, or on 
uh, TikTok. So you're being served music from all these different parts of the world and you, and you see them as equivalent. And that has driven a huge rediscovery of all music, which is brilliant. And it has also changed the way new artists are being discovered because they're being discovered because they're being associated with, with new things. It's, so though both of these things have consequences. The consequence of new of old music being rediscovered has been this um, this investment in back catalogs, and I think those are really good investments. And in fact, if I was a musician with a big back catalog, I would hesitate before selling it, even at the huge numbers that are being banded around. And I know there's a there's a thing about you can't take it with you, and that's that's true. But I'm not sure those numbers reflect the true value of the catalog that they're selling. To be honest, and I think some people are undervaluing their assets because because those are, those catalogs will keep you know creating revenues for a very very long time. So that's one thing that's happening. The other thing that's happening is that, as I was saying, new artists are being discovered on streaming platforms, and those are completely different kinds of artists. They're they're recording in their own bedrooms. They pr very probably unsigned to a major label, and they probably have never or rarely played live. And that's sort of the complete opposite to the way that you know the Beatles or even Oasis were discovered, where you know they would play gigs until Alan McGee would you know show up and sign them and then send them on and, and make until them they were good them. as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. It's changing the world of music a lot. What do you do then? You know, can you put new kids that have never toured on stage? It's quite difficult. They're finding that, promoters are finding that. Even very popular kids, you know, if they've not ever played live, they are going to need a few shows to get better. The ones that are touring and doing really well out of it are the, are the old guys. And, uh, you know, just seeing Duran Duran tour again and filling arenas is quite, is quite funny, isn't it? Um, so Surely you can't remember them first time around, Claire. Surely. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was there. This, uh, you know, in France, I remember reading they were from Birmingham and going, where's Birmingham? Anyway. Yes. Uh, another that sounds cool, you thought. <laughs> um, so, yes, it's a short story. The music industry is is again going to a very transformative phase. Yeah, I don't think Birmingham, you probably thought that was the, the Memphis of the UK, where all this uh, exciting music was coming from. And it's actually Manchester. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to like, it was so tribal in those days, I wasn't allowed to like Duran Duran, but I secretly did. My sister was crazy about them, some great songs. Maureen, what's your, what's your take? I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing, because I think Claire said it all eloquently <clears throat> and with with much conviction and passion. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hijack, I'm going to hijack uh, a line from one of my favourite uh, newsletters. That's uh, it's Leslie, Leslie Mallon from Lime Tree. And she says, quoting one of the uh, one of the CEOs, which is the CEO of Believe, uh, this is the decade of the independent music artist. And I, 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 and I think that's absolutely right. I think it's absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, that was, that's my uh, two cents worth. I hope it is. I even tried to make a track uh, by myself uh, using GarageBand or something. And it just I, I have no musical talent whatsoever except pumping out a few chords and singing appallingly. And even that, it was doable. It was incredible. Uh, you know, I had enough, enough power in my hand as George Martin had in 1966 or whatever. Um, <laughs> 
Let's just quickly, before we go, we've um, run out of time, but we have got time for a quick uh, game. It's a game we've stolen. Maureen's stolen it. I haven't stolen it. Maureen told me to do this, which is short and long. So short, we don't think they have much of a future. Long, keep an eye on them, I think is basically the idea of the game. We'll go through really quickly, though, but both of you have to answer on every one, and you have to disagree occasionally or else it's top. Um, so going back to Twitter, if we're playing short, long, uh, Jack Dorsey, Long. Yeah, long. I'm going long. Okay. Uh, Twitter, I think that's an easy one. Long. I'm less sure about Twitter. I'm going to be controversial and say short. Uh, that's good. I don't think we can say medium either. I think that's one of the rules of the game. Moving on to our, our Netflix discussion. Oh, uh, uh, yes, Ted Sarandos, short or long? Short. Short. <laughs> Both short. I don't think we'll say the Digital Services Act, um, but um, certainly on C4 privatization, inevitably Nadine Doris. Short. short. <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd say that. Uh, UK Indies, though, in the TV space. Long. Very long, long at the moment. Long. Long and very long. Can't have very long. And ITV. Oh, ITV. Yeah. Um, ITV is, hmm, I mean, long. Ultimately, yeah. they will be long, but they're going through a bit of a, a phase. <laughs> a moment, yeah. Um, yeah, long, yeah, long because they, they, they've got they've, they're making some good strides. They make and particularly ITVX. Let's just see how that pans out. Yeah, long strides. Oh well, I would short ITVX. Too. Well, you short on that because I I, I, I don't think I can make it in November, but I'm short ITVX. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Good. What about music? So TikTok. Long. <clears throat> long hmm. who'd have thought it though just even a couple of years ago anyway uh, yep. sync licensing don't even know what that is actually say this again sync licensing i think that might be the uh oh yes that's that's the the selling of the the, the sync licensing of music for for TV shows and games, etc., which is becoming a huge revenue uh, source for. We should have mentioned it earlier. So yes, I'll I'll say long on that one. That's a, that's a big yep. opportunity for for musicians right now. Yeah, crowdfunding. You get royalties, royalties for monetization oh, right. of music, and you get clearance uh, for use of music uh, in in t film and TV shows. Think think of Bridgerton and all of the adaptation of Rihanna songs uh, in eighteenth century. Music. Ah, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, crowdfunding. Hmm. Sure. No, I don't know where sure. that comes. I don't like. Hmm. I don't like crowdfunding. I mean, okay, that's probably a bit unfair, yeah. but I'm shorting it. I thought it was a lovely democratic thing, but it, it doesn't seem to be front and center anymore. Taylor Swift. Oh, always long for Taylor. Taylor is there to stay. She's the power. Yeah, long. I've actually seen her. You wouldn't have thought she was aiming her music and her art at my demographic, but she was superb. A superb artist. Very few people can fill uh, and entertain uh, as a single artist as, as well as she did. She was really uh, impressive. Uh, finally, uh, oh, uh, BuzzFeed. Sorry? BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. Oh, BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. Well, Just one last one. Short. Short. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Okay, well, we have covered an enormous amount of ground. Um, it's been it's been really educational, actually. I've learned loads, as I thought I would. Uh, we've covered Twitter and Elon. We've covered Netflix, the EU regulation, C4 privatization, and the datification of music. But we've only scratched the subject of stuff that you want to talk about. So I think we've got uh, um, another edition coming up very, very soon. But in the meantime, uh, for your time, and letting me ask the dumb question, uh, Maureen Kerr and uh, Claire, thank you very much and I look forward to the next one thank you thank you very much